This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. The malaise continues for the two baseball teams, which is where we got to start. And, you know, I took responsibility for this last night. I don't know if you were still with us towards the end of the show last night, but as the Yankees continued to scuffle and the Mets were just dropping like flies down there in Atlanta and unable to manufacture anything of significance offensively, I sat there and took the blame. Because, you know, we launched this show back on Monday night. It feels like it was about five years ago, even though it was only, what, two, three days. But I said, you know what? Since this show launched, both baseball teams barely resemble the ones that we have seen pretty much up until the middle of August, right, where they were two of the best teams in the sport. First place teams, eyes on October, chance that maybe they could make a nice deep run and do something memorable, but no. Since we launched this show and got it started, both of these teams have played like garbage. Yankees can't score any runs. Mets can't stay healthy and can't score any runs. I don't know which is worse. And your confidence level maybe starts to take a hit day in and day out if this continues. And especially because it's happening against teams that you like to measure yourself up against in both the Atlanta Braves and the Tampa Bay Rays. Right? I mean, they're in your division. They're your closest suitors in both the AL and the National League East. That's what this whole thing is about. Now, we'll start with the Yankees tonight because, I mean, it's really no different than anything else we have said up until now. The offense is completely cold. They can't get anything going at all. And it doesn't matter how well of a game that you get from your starting pitcher. Like, That has not been the problem. Cole was not the problem a couple of nights ago. Nestor Cortez was not the problem last night. And who the heck knows what's going to happen as far as Domingo Herman this evening. But if you don't score any runs, you're not going to win the game. And last night we talked about a spark. You know, team needs a spark. What can you do to maybe ignite this club a little bit? There's only so many different ways you can make out a lineup. To me, that is completely overrated. You know, Aaron Boone is not going to be some sort of a genius to where, all right, just because he writes somebody's name in a different spot in the batting order, that all of a sudden that's just going to powder keg one through nine. That doesn't happen. You got to start writing some new names in the lineup. Okay, I guess they get some somewhat good news on DJ LeMahieu, that he's going to avoid the injured list. It's not going to be anything too significant as of yet. But you got to get him on the field, right, because you're playing with a depleted bench. You're playing one man short. And the thing about D.J. LeMayhew, and when you heard the news today that, you know, he's not going to have to go on the I.L., at least for now, he was not swinging the bat all that good before he got set down for a few days and before he could even go out there and play baseball. So I'm not a 1,000% convinced that even when he's back in in there in the lineup tomorrow, like Aaron Boone says he's going to, that it's going to be a long stay. You hope it is, but can you really be all that confident? You know, Giancarlo Stanton, the rehab star, the rehab games and the batting practice and those type of things. All right, great. You know, fantastic. When? Show me. But the other problem, I think, that plagues this team right now, I also brought this up last night. You look at the names in the lineup that they do have right now. Not guys that they're waiting to get back. Guys that they have right now. You mean to tell me that if you look at the New York Yankees, as they are presently constituted, active roster, 
that they shouldn't be doing better offensively than they're doing right now? Are, are, are you serious? Torres, Judge, Rizzo, Donaldson, Andrew Benintendi. These guys have actually produced. Jose Trevino's an all-star. These guys have actually produced at some point or another in their careers. And you know what? Even this season, with the Yankees or with some other team, they could get it done. So I don't buy into all this, woe is me. They got too many guys on the shelf. Oh, they're not healthy enough. Oh, feel sorry for the Yankees. Blah, 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 blah. Stop. Stop. I don't want to hear it. Because they have enough right now to get it done. And you want to talk about salt in the open wound? And I know that it's a small sample size, and I just do it to have a little fun, right? That's what we're here for. We're here to have some fun. But I looked it up earlier this afternoon, and I tweeted it out, as a matter of fact. And you can get me, as always, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. <whistles> Last seven days, Aaron Judge is three for 18 with eight strikeouts, two homers, and two RBIs. In the last seven days for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Joey Gallo's three for nine, only two strikeouts, three homers, and five RBIs. <laughs> we were laughing about the curse of Joey Gallo last week, but you know what? Maybe it's actually a real thing. Maybe there's something to it. Like, wouldn't that be phenomenal if the Yankees go in the tank over the next couple of weeks or whatnot, or maybe even for the rest of the season, because they got rid of Joey Gallo? The same Joey Gallo who, let's be honest, is not even going to make the postseason roster for the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, and I've heard some things from people, too, who are a little closer to the situation in and around baseball. Like, there's guys out there with the Dodgers that once they got to look at Joey Gallo and seen him up close and seen him working in the cage and trying to, you know, work out the kinks that, you know, they thought to themselves, boy, I, yikes. You know, so if you were a player in a slump and you saw him in there, you almost felt better about yourself. That's how messed up Joey Gallo was from his time here in the Bronx. But it's downright ugly right now. I mean, you, you look at these numbers for the Yankees. One run in the last three games? Like I told you before last night, the last time the Yankees had scored a run was Saturday, your weekend. Did you enjoy it? Think back to your weekend. That was when the Yankees scored last. Nine runs in seven games. And I know it's a long season. I get it. But they got to do better than this. And you know what? Maybe the answers are the two youngsters who are in the lineup tonight. Esteban Florial, who's batting eighth and playing center field, even though we've seen him before. Or Oswaldo Cabrera, who's man in the hot corner at third base, hitting sixth. Maybe those are the guys that are going to spark this team, and then this little blip or these two, mo two weeks or whatever you want to call it, it's going to be nothing more than that, just a blip. Or is it? You know, you could be optimistic and you could chalk it up as to, oh, yeah, well, it's really not all that serious, but... Okay, 8-17 and 17 since the All-Star break. 20-27 and 27 in their last 47 games. That's a little bit bigger of a sample size in just seven days. So I'm not believing it yet. I'm not convinced yet. But am I going to sit here and tell you the Yankees are going to fall out of first place? No, I don't believe that's going to happen. I'd be stunned. Stunned. And you know what? You could hate them all you want. You might not even be a fan of the team as much as you might want that to happen. I don't think you could deep down believe that that is what reality is going to look like, let's say, in, you know, three weeks from now. I, I would be stunned, stunned. If the Yankees somehow 
And, and, and let's not mince words here either. If the Yankees somehow cough up this lead in the division, when it's all said and done, heads are going to roll. Heads are going to roll and heads should roll in that organization. Because this is just absolutely, it would be inexcusable to blow the type of lead that this team had. I mean, now it's even single digits because Tampa Bay's only nine out. But there's still a long way to go. A long, long way to go. And maybe tonight's the night. Maybe tonight's the night you snap your fingers and say, all right, we're done. We're out of this. Finished. Done. Or not. We'll keep you posted. We'll chronicle it. At 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll hear from some of the Yankees, too. Aaron Boone. You know, Aaron Judge as well. Now you got some issues with Clay Holmes. Right after we got off the air last night, you found out that Clay Holmes is dealing with a little bit of a creaky back. And who knows what his future is going to look like for the next few weeks and whether or not he's going to have to end up on the I.L. one of these days. And, you know, is that the reason why Clay Holmes forgot how to pitch effectively? Because his back hurts? I don't know. You know, only he could be the one to tell you that. To me, it just seems like it conveniently lines up, doesn't it, that where Clay Holmes can't pitch effectively anymore, now all of a sudden his back hurts. Is one because of the other or vice versa? Did he just forget how to pitch, or is it because he can't pitch to the extent that he did in the first half of the season when he was a lights-out all-star because his back hurts? You hope it's the latter, but are you 100% sure? Remember, we've never seen this guy have sustained success as a big leaguer. And that, to me, is still of a greater concern and of a greater urgency than anything that plagues this offense right now. You need to have certainty who's going to be getting the final three outs of a game for you. Not just in the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs. Scott Efros ain't that guy. Roldis Chapman ain't that guy. Jonathan Lewisica ain't that guy. And I don't even know if Clay Holmes is that guy anymore. Unless something really, really changes over the next, let's say, month and a half, I think the Yankees' best bet when they get to the playoffs is to just do essentially a closer by committee. And that does not even preclude a starting pitcher being the guy who's going to finish games for you. Because in the playoffs, managers deploy their bullpens completely different than they do in the regular season. Completely different. Starters sometimes are relievers. Relievers are sometimes starters. You know, it's almost like that Tampa Bay Rays manual of how to use a pitching staff. Every team subscribes to that once October rolls around. Every team does. It's find me the guys that are going to get me 27 outs. Doesn't matter if they're starters, relievers, who cares? Get me the outs I need. But I'm curious. You look at the state of this team right now. You look at the state of affairs. The drought. The ineffectiveness. The slump. Whatever you want to call it. Do you point the blame at one person in particular? Do you point the blame at one area that maybe is the most responsible? And do you think they could snap out of it? 800-919-3776. Like I said, we're going to hear from some of the particulars coming up. We'll also do plenty on the Mets because the Mets have also forgot how to win baseball games here last couple of days. And not only that, not only have the Braves beaten them, I mean, they've almost like borderline embarrassed them the last two nights. Laughed in their face. And now Carrasco's gone for three, four weeks. Taiwan Walker. Guess the MRI turned out okay. 
just back spasms. But he might not be able to make his next start. And there's legit concern for the New York Mets. Maybe Brett Beatty is going to be the cure. I don't know, even though he doesn't pitch. But the guy in the mound tonight is supposed to be the sure thing. The guy who makes $43 million in Max Scherzer. And oh, by the way, Jacob DeGrom expected to do the same tomorrow. We'll also do some basketball a little bit later on. NBA schedules are out. That's right. Knicks, Nets, the whole nine yards. Find out when they're playing, how many national TV assignments each team got. That's always fun. LeBron James not ready to retire. We'll tell you about that. And good news, justice has been served. Our pal Joe Klecko, Jet Great is one step closer to Canton, Ohio, and immortality in the pro, foot, the pro Football Hall of Fame. A long, long oversight looks to be just about righted as far as number 73 is concerned. A lot of things we got to get to tonight. Hopefully we could squeeze it all in. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. It's the Dan Grasso Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Yanks underway against the Rays. Mets just about to get going with Max Scherzer on the bump taking on the Atlanta Braves. So right now with this Yankee team and the way things presently stand, we told you about a couple of call-ups they made. You know, maybe a little bit of a spark, just some juice to add to this team. Esteban Florial, center field, batting eighth tonight. Oswaldo Cabrera at third base, hitting sixth. Aaron Boone was asked if these moves are – designed to somewhat generate a spark potentially a little bit of a spark but potentially like where we're starting to go into here who we're playing against and um you know matchups and things like that if spark yes of course we want the spark but also looking at it as you know potentially bringing someone into that we think makes sense bottom line is this all right he could spin it any which way he wants because He's got to worry about the other 20-something guys in that clubhouse that he has to answer to. By bringing in other guys, what you're essentially saying to the rest of the room is that you don't have confidence in that group as it's presently constituted. So there's like that psychological warfare that you have to balance as a manager. Every manager, every coach has to do the exact same thing. We're bringing in a couple of new guys because we think you, the group that's been here all season long, right now aren't the best equipped to get the job done, so you need help. That's what we're saying. You need some help. And I guess we'll find out to see if he's going to be proven right or proven wrong. But Aaron Judge is the team spokesman, right? After all, he's the best player. En route to a probable MVP award. Don't know if he's going to be on the team next year, but for now, he's a team spokesman. He was asked what he's expecting from Esteban Florial specifically. I haven't watched every game or checked the stat line on him, but I know during the game they kind of show some of the minor leaguers what they're doing around the league, and I always see his name flashing up around the board, you know, going three for four with a homer, still on two bases, and, you know, he's, he's a special talent, man. The time I got a chance to play with him, seen him in spring training, he's a guy that always wants to learn. He's a hard worker, um, you know, does the little things to, you know, help his team. So if that's true that he's coming up here, I don't, I don't know. If, I haven't heard that, but um, if it's true, it'll, it'll definitely help us out. See, that's why Judge is so great. And that's really why Judge shouldn't go anyplace else other than New York after the season. 
Because Judge gets it. Judge knows how to play the game. He knows how to answer the questions, especially like in this market where the media, for the most part, are like vultures. And they just want anything. They want to get at you. They're going to keep prying. They're going to keep nosing around just to get some dirt on you. Did you see the way Judge answered that question about Estevan Floreal? He was trying to be as nice and as complimentary as possible. He's like, well, you know, I haven't watched every game. You know what Judge really wanted to say? What he really wanted to say was, do you really think I'm watching minor league baseball? I have a job. I watch Yankee games. I get paid to watch Yankees games and play in Yankees games. I'm not sitting there watching, you know, Scranton Wilkesbury. That's not what this thing is all about. And Starling Marte goes yard over the center field fence, second batter of the game to give the Mets a one nothing lead off of Jake Odorizzi. That's a big-time knock for Mr. Marte. That's what they need. Now Max Scherzer's got to run to work with. I digress. But, you know, I mean, that's what – see, Aaron Judge is a better man than I am. So if somebody asked me that question, I think that's what I was saying. It's like, do you really think I'm watching minor league baseball? Get the hell out of here. Who cares? When he gets up here, then I'll worry about Estevan Florial. Not now. Let him do his own thing in the minor leagues against a bunch of ham and eggers who aren't even good enough to get me out. But in addition to that, Judge was asked if he's still confident that this Yankee team can figure things out. Oh, just the players we got in this room. Um... You know, we got a lot of great ball players here that have a great track record. And you know, like I said before, we, we're going to go through a little stretch like this, but it's it's how we come back up the next day and respond. So, you know, we're able to get the win tonight. You know, after the first inning where Nestor gave up three, you know, he, he you know, went out there and did his thing, and we just couldn't couldn't scratch anything, up, you know, off of spring. By the way, did I say Jose, uh, Starling Marte with a home run to center field? I meant Starling Marte with a home run to center field, followed by a Francisco Lindor home run with hit triple digits on the exit velo. So 2 nothing Metropolitans over the Atlanta Braves. Top one down in Hotlanta. 800-919-3776. Jose is in Newark. He is going to be our leadoff hitter tonight on the Dan Gronson Show, 98.7 ESPN. Jose, what's going on? What's going on, Dan? How you feeling today, man? Jose, I'm outstanding. You tell me. What's going on with you? How was your day? I'm great. Day was great. 30 for 30, new documentary, Curse of the Gallo. It's coming. That's what happens. That's what happens when you bellyache about a guy hitting 150 and your team is winning eight, nine, ten games in a row. We killed that guy for 30 days for about a month before they let him go and get rid of him, and now everybody stinks. Let, um, a little Jose, let me tell you something real quick. Let me tell you something real quick. If, if yeah. like, that is actually a thing and becomes a thing of substance, like – if the Yankees, like, go in a nosedive the rest of the year because they got rid of Joey Gallo, I will dig deep into my pockets and I will fund the making of that documentary if it happens. I'll throw my chips in there with you. Whatever there you I go. Got, brother. We'll, we'll, we'll do some fundraising. We'll go door to door to get that thing made, and it'll be outstanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. A little tongue-in-cheek. Look, at the end of the day, they're a talented team. You're going to hit a stretch. Uh, I think it was, the, and you correct me, Dan, 99 Yankees, they kind of limped into the playoffs. They stunk in September and kind of turned it on. Was that 2000, the year that 2000, they limped a little bit and turned it on. Yeah, they Sub, The Subway the, Series year. Right. So the only problem with this team and what concerns me is they're not very um, experienced in fall baseball. They don't have a turn-on switch for the postseason. you got to develop that. All those other guys had one, but I still believe in them. I think they're very talented. They're on a little bit of a bad stretch. You know that in baseball, because you know more baseball than I do, Dan. The worst thing in the world 
is when everybody goes cold at the same time. You could usually survive with one of guys not and one or two guys not hitting, but it seems like everybody's struggling right now. So they definitely need a spark. But I think once they get it, they'll be okay. Jose, you hope so, right? You hope that they can snap out of this thing. And I thank you for the phone call, as always. You're right. You don't want everybody scuffling at the same time. And that's why you try to change things up a little bit. That's why they made the call up to bring these two guys up, just to just to clear the air in the room. You know, sometimes, like, if you're, you know, you live in the same house or the same apartment for too long and you keep walking into the same room and you're like, I just, this looks tired. I can't up and move. Right. That's too much of a pain. So what, what do you do? You change some things around. You take a couch and maybe you move it to the other side of the room. You maybe go buy a new coffee table or a little desk lamp or something. Hey, let me go buy another picture that I can hang on that side of the wall just to give it a little bit of a different look. That's what Cabrera and Flory are there. They're desk lamps for the Yankees, essentially. That's what they are. Changing the furniture around in the room, hoping that the rest of the room looks a little bit more appealing and more attractive. Benny in Coney Island, he's up next on 98.7 ESPN. Benny, how are you? Hey, good day, Dan the Man Grasa. How you doing? Benny, you tell me. What's going on, man? Hey, man, I just wanted to comment on the uh, recent uh, Yankees bumble. Uh, with that being said, uh, this all started back in Sweat Lewis. Excuse me, I mean St. Louis. Uh, during that series, it was really hot out there. And, uh, you know, these guys have been working hard through the whole season to win all these games. And with that being said, they're just having a hot streak in regarding it being hot outside. And this coming September, October fall baseball, I think these guys are going to be ready to start winning. Well, I, I mean, it's not that they're – we're not talking about a team of Frosty the Snowmen's here, Benny. And I thank you for the phone call. I mean, I don't think that it's temperature related. I mean, that is really grasping for straws. If you're trying to explain away this slump, you know, baseball's a summer sport. Break, breaking news. You know, it's, it's supposed to be hot. That's the way this whole thing works. Yankees had no problem when the temperature was warm in June, July, right? It's really only been the last month when things have kind of bottomed out. But to sit here and blame the weather, I mean, that's a first. First I've ever heard of that one. Imagine, imagine if, like, they want to make changes at the end of the year or they want to get rid of somebody or send a guy up or send a guy down. Like, the guys that the Yankees sent out today to call up Florial and Cabrera. Imagine if they went there and tried to spin it to Aaron Boone and to Brian Cashman when they were going to make them and say, well, you know, it's, it's not my fault. It's too hot out there. I can't, it's, it's, it's too warm. Can't do it. Not fair. Mets also changed things around, brought up a piece of their future which now might very well be a big piece of their present. Brett Beatty making his debut tonight. We'll talk a little Mets when we return. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 2 nothing Mets over the Braves. A couple of first inning back-to-back home runs for Marte and Francisco Lindor. But Brett Beatty is all the rage. Mets Ballyhooed, number two overall prospect. Guy who was their first-round pick in 2019. He's in the lineup tonight, playing third base. So, hey, we'll see if he produces or not. Mets are banged up right now with Guillaume on the shelf. Escobar also lands on the injured list. So now it's, hey, kid, welcome to the majors. Now you're in a pennant race. No free rides, no scholarship. Go produce. But the Mets are dealing with some injuries now where a week ago that wasn't the case. And you look at the starting pitching. Taiwan Walker is on. Well, he's not on the shelf yet. You hope he doesn't. But he's got an achy back. 
Carlos Carrasco is on the IL. And, you know, you hate to take away from a strength. Because I don't think that I'm, you know, reinventing the wheel here when I say that if you strengthen your team starts missing some pieces along the way, it ceases to become a strength. And the Mets, I don't think, are going deep into October without lockdown starting pitching. Because it's Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett, Walker when healthy. They need those guys. They need those guys to go out there and dominate more than anything else. So what about Taiwan Walker? What is an update from the manager? Pretty good news, all things considered, on the MRI. He, uh, I think Sunday starts in jeopardy, but we're still going to hold out hope that uh, it manages before that. We'll just kind of go day-to-day right now, but uh, we've got some different thoughts. Well, obviously, you got to keep in mind the what-ifs, but if you'd have told me last night we left here that we'd be kind of where we are with it, I'd have taken it. So it's something, you know, he's had uh, crop up some in the past and it's managed well. So, you know, we we're just checking out and make sure there wasn't anything new structurally there. So, so far, so good. Hey, the fact they didn't have to put him on the IEL today is a step in the right direction, right? Because Carrasco, the very next day, he was on the injured list. So it's something that they could hopefully, you know, it it subsides and then they take another turn at this thing. If he has to skip a start, so be it. Not the worst thing in the world. You know, you have other options. You got a David Peterson there. You want to go even Trevor Williams, piece a game together with the bullpen. They'll figure it out. But as long as we're not talking about any sort of a lengthy absence with Walker, I think you're in good shape because, I don't know, you may feel differently. If you're talking about the two guys in Walker and Carrasco, I have more faith in Taiwan Walker. Like, he's the one that I trust more, meaning I think he would be a bigger absence to that rotation than a Carlos Carrasco would. Now, you don't want anybody hurt, but if we're just choosing sides here, I think Walker would be the bigger loss. But as for Beatty, you know, this is a guy who's right into a pennant race. And making his Major League debut. You know that he's going to be nervous, right? You know that he's probably going to have the butterflies. This is a step up from the minor leagues. You know, they always say in the minor leagues, making that jump from double-A to triple-A is sometimes even harder from going from triple-A to the major leagues. Because when you go double-A to triple-A, when you get to triple-A, you're facing big league pitching some of the time. You know, those three-and-a-half A guys, guys that have big league experience that are, like, constantly up and down from the minor leagues. Like, they're not quite good enough to be full-time big leaguers, but they're not bad enough either to be full-time minor league players. They're, like, someplace in between. But you get a lot of those guys in AAA. So you could be raking in double, but when you go to 3A, a little bit of a reality check sometimes for guys. But what about Beatty? What are the values that he can learn on this Mets team? They asked that to the manager. I watch uh, Max Scherzer the last two nights, watch every pitch, you know, just about. And whether if it's not out there, it's here. And, you know, the things that he's going to – because he's a receptive guy. He's going to – you know, the things that you'll get. Uh, I don't know, we brought Derek up uh, and didn't put him on the postseason just to make sure he traveled with us and saw things. One, we knew that he was watching and would take it in, you know. You know, you look at a lot of young players. Well, I know it's a big moment for – in his life and, you know, organizationally and fans and what have you. We all love to see guys from our own system come up here. But, you know, the last thing I'm going to do is be someone that makes it even harder. You know, it's hard enough. So there's just there's benefit from walking around the locker room and knowing that, you know, there's not some – this isn't some utopian level that you have to be perfect to reach, okay? But everybody up here stepped on their tail sometime, including me. So the big thing is learning from it. It's not a young team. 
that the Mets have, right? It's a veteran group. By and large, it's a veteran team that they have there in that clubhouse. So you would hope that somebody like a Brett Beatty walks in there and maybe just, you know, whether he's in the clubhouse, whether he's on the bench, you know, you look over and you see how some of these guys, the future Hall of Famers, like Max Scherzer, go about conducting their business day in and day out. You know, even when they're not in the game, not just about getting prepared to play and getting into the mode and laser focus and those type of things. No, it's just, you know, what do I do to fit in? Yeah, I'm still a rookie. Yeah, I know I don't belong necessarily as much as the other guys or I haven't been around as long as the other guys, but I also don't want to step on any toes. Because if you do, in baseball and really in professional sports, you know, veterans are going to be right there to put you in your place. And they'll be the first ones to tell you what you're doing wrong, and God forbid if you start struggling. That's when it really makes your life miserable. But you don't want to think in those terms for Brett Beatty. You hope that he's just going to blend in, and you know what? You hope he plays good enough to where you don't even have to talk about sending him down. Maybe he wrestles that third base spot away from Guillaume and Escobar permanently. So that when those guys are healthy, you know what? You can't take this guy out of the lineup. The team wins. He produces. That's a win-win scenario for the Mets. And as we learned, given the fact that you got a brand-new owner who's the richest owner in all of Major League Baseball, they don't care about service time. They don't care about paying a guy. They don't care if his service time clock starts a little bit earlier than maybe they would have wanted. And so for that first year, maybe the Mets are only getting, what, a third of a season out of it as opposed to, like, one full year of control? Not if it all helps them trying to win a championship and to get closer to doing that. I think everybody in that organization wants this guy to come up here and just do his thing and hit the way that he's been hitting down in the minor leagues, which, by the way, is pretty damn impressive. Pretty good. You know, he made that leap to AAA, and he was batting three sixty four. It was only a handful of games, but didn't seem like he was overwhelmed too much. But this is big league baseball. And Brett Beatty, in his first ever major league at bat, on the second pitch, takes a hanger from Jake Odorizzi and drives it over the right field fence. Mets four, Braves nothing. How about that? They look like geniuses right now. How about that? Brett Beatty. Now these guys over in the Bronx that the Yankees are making their debut. My goodness. They've got lofty standards to live up to. When this kid goes up there and in his first ever at bat takes a two-run jack to right field. Woo! Brett Beatty. Yankees can't score any runs. I mean, th think about that. Brett Beatty with one swing in the bat just outscored the Yankees basically in the last week. Last week. But all kidding aside, I mean, that's what you hope for. Because the Braves, the team that took it to them the last couple of nights, think about it. Look at what they have in store for not just now, but for years and years and years to come. And it's almost like it was, it, it was just rubbing salt in the wound a little bit more, if you're a Met fan, after the game last night. 
Because not only do the Mets get, you know, blown out again, and to me it was a blowout, even though it was only, what, like 5 nothing. Then, like 10 minutes after the game, the Atlanta Braves put out a press release saying, yeah, Michael Harris II, the rookie center fielder who, right now, if I had to cast the vote, is the National League Rookie of the Year. But, yeah, we just signed Michael Harris to an eight-year, you know, whatever extension. So it's like the rich just keep getting richer. You have guys on the Atlanta Braves, um, Michael Harris, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr., all these guys they signed to deals already, buying out the remainder of their free agent years, their arbitration years. So, like, those five in particular, they're under team control for, like, the next, I think, at least, like, three, four years. And, oh, by the way, they got a bunch of young starting pitching that they don't even have to worry about addressing yet. So if you think that you're going to be running away with this thing and if you think that, you know, it's going to be the Mets division for years to come because you got Scherzer for a couple of years and you hope that you have Jacob DeGrom, it's going to be a dogfight. This Braves team is legit. But you know what? It's not about the Braves tonight. It's Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty. Mets four, Braves nothing in the second inning. Off to a good start. Hopefully that's all the run support that Max Scherzer needs for this night. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get into some NBA to start hour number two, coming up in about 10 minutes. A lot of things happening there. Off the court, some scheduling news, contract news, a lot of things that we have to square away. John Heyman is reporting that Dylan Batances has announced his retirement from baseball at the age of 34. You talk about a guy in, in, in Dylan Batances who, of course, you know, has local ties. I mean, he only played in New York City his entire career, but this is a guy who's, um, you know, a Brooklyn native, ended up pitching for the Yankees and really developed into, let's face it, one of the best relief pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. I mean, the guy was lights out until he started to have some injury problems and then the shoulder went and... You know, he was just never the same again. And, you know, the Mets took a flyer on him a couple of years ago during that COVID year, and he was slow to get off the ground there because of some injuries and just was, you know, never, never even the same. And then last year he, you know, was basically hurt the whole time, and and that was the end of that. So, look, uh, not everybody can have a long, successful, injury-free career, but if you're Dylan Batances, you know what, the fact that you got to play for your hometown teams, You got to really perform at a high level for, you know, a good number of years. Think about it. He made four all-star teams. That's four more than a lot of guys ever make in a career of professional baseball. So he really has nothing to be sorry over. But uh, Dylan Batances, according to the reports, he's going to hang it up there. Probably gave it as many shots as he could to try to resume his career, but it's not going to happen for him. So, uh, yeah, hangs it up at age 34, which is sad to see. Of course, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Mets out to a 4-0 lead in the second inning on the Atlanta Braves. Meantime, you got the Tampa Bay Rays, who have just struck first on the Yankees. They have a 1-0 lead in the third, which doesn't necessarily bode well for the Yankees, given their inability to manufacture some offense, to score runs, and that type of thing here. Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff that... You know, when you look at sports and and you look at the way, you know, we consume it to a certain degree, like in in, in baseball, 
Like last week, we had the Field of Dreams game, part two. Last Thursday, Cincinnati and the Chicago Cubs. Remember the Yankees played in that game last year? And it was cool. You know, we watched it last year because it was the first time Yankees were in it. So it had the local flair, so we were all tuned in, of course. Last year, or I mean last week, that game with Cincinnati, and I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I went out last Thursday, and I set the DVR, and I still have it on there, and I still haven't watched it. And, and to me, like, I saw the highlights and everything with Ken Griffey Jr. and his father. and like. But baseball, you know, they have an ongoing struggle, I feel, to really try to rope in the casual viewer compared to what the other sports and consuming for their almighty entertainment dollar. I really and truly believe that because, look, they play more games than anybody else at 162. Regular season games are pretty much just one of 162. Not so much in this town because that's why I love the passion of New York baseball fans and New York sports fans because they treat the baseball season like it's 162 one-game seasons. I love that. I really do. I love it but not everybody else. And I think that over the years, I would say probably 25 to 30 years where baseball has transitioned from what we used to regard as the national pastime as to now where it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a major sport. It's popular. It's there, but it's not what it once was. I mean, the NFL has lapped Major League Baseball. The NFL has lapped pretty much everything. And to a certain degree, maybe even the NBA is more popular than baseball. But, you know, like if you try to figure out ways, like how do we get people to buy in? How do we get people to watch? If you're Rob Manfred and you're the powers that be and you come up with these like, you know, offbeat Field of Dreams games to in front of a national TV audience, like, you know, Sunday Night Baseball. And I know that it's here on ESPN, right? It's part of our family of networks. But that's one of the reasons why they came up with that alternative programming thing that Michael and A-Rod do, right? The K-Rod cast. Because how many people are watching Sunday Night Baseball, like just for the game? You could be the biggest baseball fan in the world, but if it's not your team playing, are you really going to watch? Are you really going to be lumped in? Like, for example, you know, you're going to sit down and watch an Astros-White Sox game on Sunday Night Baseball just because the two teams might be pretty good? I doubt it. And it's no different than the games that Fox shows on Saturdays, and, you know, they might put one on during the week in primetime. It's become a very, very regional sport. Local is what the majority of the audience you're going to get for these games. Like, you love your Yankees, you love your Mets. You're going to watch every single game. You're going to watch every single pitch. But outside of here, you're going to really even bother with it? And this is a problem that I think they're fighting all over the country. And when you look at the ratings and you look at, you know, the attention that the sport receives compared to what it once did, I don't see that changing at all. I don't see it reflecting for the better as we move forward and we find different ways to go about consuming sports. Now it's not even so much we sit down and watch it on television. You watch a game wherever the hell you want. You go out and watch it on your phone. You watch it on your iPad, whatever. You don't got to be at home on the couch sitting in front of the TV. And furthermore, you don't even have to be there. I mean, I think to a certain degree, and the NFL is king. But the NFL suffers from that problem even just a little bit. Because the NFL, those stadiums are not as jam-packed as they once were. You can see some empty seats. 
Because the NFL made maybe more so than any other sport is made for TV. And you got all the technology you want. And there's still the football fan that might even be more consumed with like their fantasy team as opposed to just like a one of the 32 teams that they're a fan of. And that's what they get roped into. They want to watch the red zone on Sunday. They don't want to watch one game. They want to watch a bunch of games. They only want to see the highlights on TV. Like, why am I wasting my time sitting here for three, three and a half hours long to watch one game when I can watch a bunch of games? I can watch the action. That's why that stuff has become so popular. Our attention spans are not a strength of the human race, right? That's why, like, all of these marketing brand companies, when you're producing content to a certain extent, like, you know, when we put out this show, like, we want you to listen all three hours. Don't get me wrong. All right? I want you to stay locked in from the time we sign on at 7 to when we say goodbye at 10 o'clock. Love you. Right? That's what we want. But the reason we post the podcast afterwards, just as many people are listening to those things after the show even went live compared to what you're listening to right now. You go back and consume media at your own leisure, which because of technology, we're allowed to do nowadays. And I don't think it's going to change either. Those days are gone. But yes, listen to the show for three hours. That's what you want.